the reactions to Francis's apostolic exhortation on the Amazon have come rolling in, and boy, are they entertaining. Today, we'll go over those reactions, as we've seen Francis's most vocal supporters heartbroken that he didn't apparently give them what they want. I know, it's a tragedy to be sure, and the salt was absolutely flowing on social media. But as we'll say, the reactions weren't limited to the fake world of Twitter and Facebook, so sit back, grab some popcorn, and get ready to bathe in the tears of those who think the doctrinal traditions of the church are meaningless and can be changed on a dime, because trust me when I say that these people are not happy in the slightest. Everyone from James Martin's followers to the secular media to the German bishops are all upset. Consider this a good news episode for February, so strap in for a good way to start your week. But first, I wanted to thank the patrons of this channel for their continued support. It really does enable the work of this channel to continue. If you want to join the supporters of this channel, you can do so through Patreon or Subscribestar for as little as $1 per month or through the mail or Subscribestar for a single donation. It really does help this channel keep going, and please support the other content creators you like as well. Thanks. Back to the news. I'm going to start with the best example of infighting in the hierarchy on this document. It looks like the German bishops are disappointed in Francis's released document, to say the least. When the apostolic exhortation was released and we all got treated to Francis's dreams of an Amazon jungle filled with bad poetry and liberation theology, the German bishops surprised everyone when Cardinal Reinhard Marx resigned from his office as president of the German Bishops' Conference although he apparently has a history of pulling these kind of shenanigans, so don't you know, trust him too much on this. His henchman is allegedly worse than he is, if you can believe that, and is a possibility to succeed him in that office, so don't crack the bottles of champagne quite yet. And Mark still does hold an Episcopal office, despite decades of working to turn the Catholic Church into some weird hybrid of the Anglican and Orthodox churches when it comes to the issues of human sexual morality and the application of it to the priesthood and laity. But the news of Marx's resignation broke just before the document appeared online, and by all accounts, he was disappointed. So disappointed, in fact, that the German Bishops' Conference came out and said, at a press conference, that Francis's new document was only moral in character and had no magisterial authority. Let that one sink in for a moment. Marx, who accepts Francis as the Supreme Pontiff, says that Francis's document has no authority. He's starting to sound like a schismatic. Doesn't he respect that... What do these people call it? The Magisterium of Francis. Yeah, that's it. Doesn't he respect the Magisterium of Francis? If I were him, I'd be watching where I stepped going forward. If you're not aware, the German bishops were and still are running their parallel synod, where they are openly talking about re rewriting the church's sexual morality teachings, complete with a call for married clergy, the embracing of the Berlin lifestyle, even okaying James Martin-style marriages. And while one or two of the German bishops have dissented from this error, the rest are running full speed to perdition. And for the most part, Rome has remained silent, though Francis did warn the German bishops some months ago that what they were proposing was too much for one national conference of bishops to decide, and that they needed to fall in line with Rome, and let the church as a whole address these issues if they were warranted. Of course, the Germans ignored that call. You know, I don't know if the home country of Martin Luther is just cursed in some way, with a rebellious streak, but something is seriously wrong with its track record, especially when you consider the role the German bishops played at the Second Vatican Council. No coverage of this document would be complete without dropping in on Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church and his weird followers. James Martin has been a cheerleader for this papacy and the various questionable programs it promotes, 
So, of course, he'd be completely on board with the document, right? He'd doodly follow along with Francis, not question anything, and embrace its bad hippie poetry, right? Well, not so much. Martin simply tweeted out, quote, Pope Francis rejects proposal to allow married priests in remote areas. And his followers were, rather unsurprisingly, disappointed. So, for example, quote, That's a shame. Allowing for married priests is the answer to the shortage we face, responds one modernist. And then another, who is a schismatic and possible apostate priest, chimed in and said, And also the ordination of married women, which is just wrong and perpetuates the old boys club. What is the fear of the church? Being a former priest, I wrote in favor of women priests, married priests. I'm now a Protestant minister and love the ministry women ministers bring. End quote. Yeah, I bet you do. And then this woman chimed in and responded with, quote, Every qualified man and woman, married or single, who would love to be, should be permitted to be a priest. End quote. Uh-huh. There were others, too, saying things like, I'm surprised the Catholic Church still exists, and people calling Francis a traditionalist and too rigid, that sort of thing. Honestly, the reactions to the document from the modernist that brought me a lot of joy, I, I can tell you that much. Maybe enjoying the disappointment of people who publicly advocate for heterodoxy, heresy, and rejection of the moral teaching of the church is a sin, though I, I do kind of doubt it. But Pastor Jimmy Martin wouldn't be immune from this stuff either, as he would spend the next several days counter-signaling the man he recognizes as the Supreme Pontiff. Again, Jimmy, what gives? He was more than he was more subtle about it than the Germans, and I'll give him that, retweeting articles from the media that implied that Francis did not understand the role of the Supreme Pontiff in the church. This is a theme that you're going to see from these people. How he gets away with this is beyond me. Maybe he'll get put on Bishop Barron's media censorship list or something, but though, I do kind of doubt it. But before we're done, let's check in with the mainstream media, who have never seen a social and moral revolution they didn't like. Professional Francis fanfiction writer Austin Ivory was one who shared his disappointment before quickly weaponizing some passages of the document so he could play politics with them. Including in his online activity were various barbs against the American president, as well as a not terribly subtle rebuke of Bishop Athanasius Schneider, who had cheered dumping Pacamama into the river. Ivory rebuked him by quoting at him the paragraph that we are told that not all pagan symbols are pagan, and that it's not pagan for Christians to take them up in pagan worship, which is hilarious in itself. But the best example of the fanfiction writers take is to dutifully submit, actually, which, honestly, I'll give him credit for his consistency on this, despite my, my not liking him. He said this in an article, which someone tweeted at him, and he retweeted, quote, this is a pope who takes seriously government of the church by discernment, and who will follow the spirit where it blows where it wills. I was disappointed that Francis didn't approve ordaining women deacons or proven married men until I read this fine essay by Austin Ivray. End quote. I mean, that's one take on Francis, I guess. Everyone has their opinion. The article was published in the tablet, which, as the channel Ascent of Mount Carmel pointed out a few months ago, used to be a really solid Catholic newspaper many, many decades ago. Now it's something else entirely. Here's the relevant excerpt, though, from Ivray's article that that woman quoted. Quote, In paragraph 104, the Pope observes that when pastoral workers propose opposed forms of ecclesial organization in response to challenges, it is likely that the true answer lies in transcending the two approaches and finding other, better ways, perhaps not yet even imagined. In the following paragraph, he says, solutions often come in the form of a greater gift that God is offering from which 
There will pour forth as from an overflowing fountain the answers that contraposition did not allow us to see. This is vintage Bergoglio. In the context of polarization in the church, the mistake is to try to resolve it by allowing one side to defeat the other. Rather, by patiently attentively holding together the polarity, positions that pull in a different direction, the leader allows for the possibility of a third way that the Holy Spirit offers. End quote. Wow, that's some organizational theory and behavior psychobabble there, which is really weird. But yeah, enough of that document. And though usually when an American calls Francis by his birth name, it's not done out of respect. But that's not the case with Ivory, who probably sleeps with Pope Francis sheets on his bed. But let's move on to our final media figure, Massimo Fagioli, the man who spends a great deal of his time chastising those of us who don't particularly like the direction Francis is taking the church. He seemed to cautiously dip his toes into the waters of rigidity and Phariseeism when he said the following about how Francis's document and the Synod's final documents not only don't match, but are contradictory in places in his piece for Commonweal Online. Quote, Think of it in keeping with Francis's reinterpretation of papal primacy for a synodal church, but also his way to deal with, for the first time, with his genuine disagreement with the synod's majority. His language on the priesthood in chapter 4 at times conveys more a pre-conciliar than conciliar or post-conciliar theology of the ordained ministry, with a focus on what is unique to the priest and his exclusive identity. See paragraphs 87 to 88. The most important sources of this section owe all to John Paul II's era. The great emphasis on what the lady can do works to preserve the clerical system just as it is. Rather than receive the synodal proposals on ordination of the very probati to the priesthood, Francis' solution is to pray for vocations and more efficient deployment of the clergy. There is a small opening on the possibility of an Amazonian rite, very small, however, compared to the proposal in the final document and Francis's language on women is typically and woefully inadequate, while his effusive praise of the feminine is counterproductive. What he says here fits the pattern of what he has always said on these issues. One wonders what will happen to the Pontifical Commission for the Study of Women Diaconate, if it will be reconstituted or not, and on what basis. End quote. I really hope it's not reconstituted, but I do love it when these guys admit publicly that the theology of the Church changed at Vatican do. It does our work for us. I also find it funny when they accuse John Paul II of being rigid and out of touch with the times. Then again, Fagioli has been a big proponent of the Magisterium of Francis nonsense, so it shouldn't be that surprising that he treats John Paul II in this way. I am surprised at how measured the response from the public faces of modernism in the English-speaking world have been. Clearly, they're disappointed, as Fagioli did point out that the Fieri Probati recommendation received a two-thirds vote in support at the Amazon Synod, as if a pope should be submitting to the nonsense of a synod, and cited a conciliar document that broke the authority of the papacy by attempting to bring the bishops as a body to the level of the pope. Fagioli did this as if to signal to the world that Francis was wrong without having to endure the online ridicule from those of us who would welcome him to the, to the recognize and resist position in glee and jest. And all of that from Pastor Jimmy Martin to Austin Ivray to Massimo Fagioli, we're all just the tip of the iceberg. It doesn't include the wild variety of responses from people on our side of things, the abject confusion of the lady, or even Francis's disappointment in how the document was received. Frankly, I'm surprised more people aren't calling into question Francis's terrible taste in poetry, which has to be a violation of canon law. But anyway, that's enough on this topic. I consider this to be a sort of good news take simply because when the modernists are mad and crying, it's a good day. They scream and they cry. 
Let me know your thoughts in the comments or in an email or on Twitter or on the Return to Tradition Facebook page. Thanks for listening and for your support. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.